Every 68 seconds, someone is raped or sexually assaulted in this country. Yeah, and it is one of the most underreported crimes. And, and this, this is Chick, Chick to Chick. Chick. just brought up that statistic. It's basically every 68 seconds, every minute, someone is raped or sexually assaulted mm -hmm. in this country. And let's be clear, we're not just talking about women. This is affecting women, men, and unfortunately, we're also talking about children, little girls, and little boys. Why is this going on? Yeah, it's awful. And it's also going on rampantly on college campuses. And here's the thing, it hasn't changed because a lot of decades ago, someone very close to my heart was raped in college. And I've just had four daughters go through college, one that's still in high school. And I just think to myself, my gosh, why haven't we learned? Anything? What is going on? Yeah, yeah. So we have, wonder, we have someone here who's going to uh, give us some great information on what is going on. We have Jim Wilshire, and he is with the Pennsylvania Coalition Against Rape. Jim, thank you so much for being with us today with this very important topic. What is going on? Why are we still in this space where people are getting raped? Uh, thanks for inviting me to have this conversation. It's obviously very important, and it's a, it's a tough question to try to answer of why, why this continues to, to happen. Unfortunately, one of the things, whether we're talking about on campus or um, mo with most survivors, unfortunately, it's also usually someone that the, the survivor knows too. And, and that is a, a part of it that uh, with having the conversation, it's about working together as a community for bystander intervention to make sure we're working as a community to make sure we all understand what each other's boundaries are and to be respectful um, it doesn't have to be calling out, but it doesn't have to be stepping in. It doesn't have to be supporting people to understand that it's okay to, to have your boundaries. It's not just no means no. And some of the things we'll talk about today, but it's also letting people know that if you feel uncomfortable, it's okay to say, I feel uncomfortable, um, in, in any situation. And that doesn't put it on the individual. It puts it on the abuser, which is a big part of the conversation we'll, we'll probably have today. Yeah. You said no means no. And I know there are campaigns all over the country to to push that message, especially on college campuses. Yet it's happening at an alarming rate on college campuses. I think this, the statistics are one in five women, one in 16 men will be raped or sexually assaulted uh, on a college campus. Why is this happening so often at colleges? And I don't think any of us will ever really know the answer for that. And I think for a lot of those students that we know that are going onto the campus, some of the things they try to do um, at every higher education institution and also in, in K-12, but especially in higher education, um, is have that conversation beginning of the year that it's mandatory on some campuses now where we, we sit down, we talk about what our policies are for what sexual harassment is, for walking through for some people to understand what no means no is, to have that more respectful culture. That's that's a first step. The, the next is to take that seriously and then also try to model that behavior. And I think that might be another portion of the, of the conversation. It needs to be ongoing in every facet, in the workplace and in our families, um, in different community groups of so just continuing to model that, that behavior of Again, hearing one another, but also then when you start to have more of those 
private interactions, whether it be a date or whether you're alone with someone of, of listening and following through with that. And it's no means no, but it's also that no means no means now. It's also not someone that I've had a relationship with before. We've been dating for a long time. We've already been intimate before. Why is no now? Um, that's another conversation that we walk through all these things is helpful for people to understand that just because you've been with someone before, it doesn't mean that it's automatic um, consent for everything moving into the future. That no means no. The key of it is consent and consent is every time that we're in a conversation that we're having any kind of uh, interaction with, with someone that it is always consent isn't implied. Consent is given. Yeah. And it seems that so many of the victims just, they don't want to come forward. They, they don't want to talk about it. I don't understand why, why it is that it is one of the most underreported crimes. And oftentimes for, for survivors, they, they don't come forward because it takes time to process what happened. Um, to to work through everything in your mind um, of the the replay of uh, what did I do what did they do um, when it gets to the point where someone is willing to come forward the key step is always they will the survivor always tells someone whether it's a, a family member or a friend a roommate whatever that person is that they're entrusting that when they come forward to talk to them that is a very key point to make sure that they are heard and that they're believed. Um, because if I don't feel like one of the most trusted people I have is going to believe me, then it, there's a fear of whatever my next step is, will I be believed more than, than this person? Um, am I going to have to answer a whole lot of questions if it's on, on campus and it's a title nine issue? in addition to a criminal justice issue, I'll have to tell my story over and over again. And everyone's going to ask me tons of questions. This perfect stranger, I'll have to repeat the story over again. And they're not going to believe me. That person that gets entrusted with that is really a a key step to just say, I hear you. I'm sorry that happened. I believe you. And then listen to them about what they say they, they want to do. It's also not a place to try to walk them through, well, this is what I think you should do, or try to figure out a solution for anything. It's really just listening to them and supporting them. And one of the things we would suggest is to reach out to a rape crisis center because they know what all the options are. And and they've had the education and the training to be able to just listen and be able to say, you can, if it's, if it's a recent, um, If it happened recently to say we can take you to a hospital and we can have you do a a test for a collection of DNA, we can help you get counseling, we can help you with um, the criminal justice process of a police report, and that you won't be alone in that process. But a lot of times part of the reason that it's not immediately reported is someone just needs to, to, to listen and support them and just appreciate how much time it takes to process the trauma after it's happened. Um, and that's why it, it can take weeks, months, sometimes even years for someone to be able to reach that point where they come forward. So you talked about the the believe factor. Who's mm-hmm. going to believe me? What about um, the whole element of shame 
and blame. Are victims feeling shameful that this happened? And are they also blaming themselves that this happened? And those things also play into this, why they're not speaking up and why they're not reporting this crime? That that can happen. And a lot of times that, that's, again, why it, it's important to have that uh, support network, that first person that they t- that they talk to, that they can get some kind of counseling to help support them. Um the, the shame thing is mainly trying to help have that conversation with someone of it's not your fault and you didn't do anything for this to have happened that the abuser for um, the abuser picked to do this and when and, and the why and everything else and to make sure that the abuser is fully held accountable for what their actions are um, giving the space for someone to hear that and understand that and feel that is also really important and you're right feeling that that may not be the case is, is an obstacle and um, supports the best way to help remove it. What makes me mad, Jim, is the fact that why, why are we putting, it seems like we're putting so much in the women of be careful and don't worry about this and have your head, you know, on a swivel and be careful. Why are we not doing enough to tell young men or men, or whatever, males, this is absolutely not acceptable. What are we doing on the other side of it to teach that more? If I had a son, my I do have a you son. Do have a son, but if I had a son, I would, I just this is a thing I would just drum home all the time. And I, I, that's part of why when I uh, when I was speaking earlier about bystander intervention and, and community standards, that's that's a big part of where that comes in. That it's it's the conversation of what's accepted and what's not accepted. And I know one of the things when we, when we talk about this is uh, locker room talk is something that a lot of people are, are familiar with making jokes or thinking of some things, um, you know, all, all in good humor of having the conversation that jokes aren't okay. And that when you're around someone in that locker room um, to be able to step in and say, Hey, I, that that's not appropriate. That's, that's not okay. That could, that could uh, upset someone that maybe could uh, trigger someone that did have something like that happen to them. And being the person to intervene in that situation is one of the points where that starts to, to change that culture and, and makes it makes a point of that stopping. The other thing is um, just by bystander intervention in general, that there's a lot of things that someone can do even in the realm of, you know, sexual harassment, because it's not always rape. There's a lot of f- different forms of sexual violence that it could also be sexual harassment to, to be able to interrupt that and say, that's not a part of our company's policies, or I think you're making someone feel uncomfortable, or to just try to disrupt the situation entirely, and then meet with that survivor afterward and say, are you okay? Um, is there anything I can do to try to help you? We have lots of trainings to try to help with those things. Those are the the smaller steps that can have a bigger impact when everyone just continues to do them in their day-to-day life. So I, Carrie talked about her daughters. I have a son. And something that was so important to me uh, was to raise him in such a way that he was respectful to women at every every way. You know, and that to me was the most important thing that I did was to make sure that he was respectful. Um, And if he saw something to speak up and to help women in this situation, do you think we need to do a better job of raising our boys? 
And maybe should we be starting with education at a very young age that this is not appropriate? Um, well, since we have a program called Respect at Work that does some of that, I, I kind of feel like I'm, I'm in a little bit of an awkward situation that I don't want to say that we're also a vendor and also have a solution. But I think you're right. We need to have that conversation. And I think the other thing that probably makes it more well-rounded is that it's not just an interaction of male to female. It's it's full circle. It's yep. also respect for yourself. It's also yep. respect amongst your, your peers. When you're able to practice that all around and know what your own boundaries are and why you have them, that obviously helps to help with the empathy of how you treat others and how you want others to treat you. Um, again, these sound like small steps of, well, how do they add up to prevent something as serious as rape or sexual violence? But they're the little things that we can do now that have a bigger impact for a lot of things, including prevent sexual violence. And I think that is a great way to end this podcast. Yeah. Great points there. Jim, thank you so much for joining yeah, us today. That. And thanks for having the conversation with us. Thank you. All right. The big word yeah. for me, respect, 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 mm -hmm. respect others, respect yourself. Mm -hmm. You're sending a strong message out there. We got to stop this type of behavior. We, we have absolutely to. do. I love that he brought up, you know, stop the locker room talk. Yep. And this goes for, you know, girls, boys, however you identify, it's not okay nope. anymore right. to act like this whatsoever. We appreciate you being with us today. Listen, head over to our Chick to Chick YouTube page, like and subscribe. And uh, until we see you again to chirp about another topic.